Welcome, ladies and divorce professionals. You are listening to the Divorce for Wealthy Women podcast, where we dive into complex and sometimes taboo topics relating to divorce and women. Specifically, we often discuss how affluent women can maintain their lifestyles during and post-divorce. Join me as we talk to the most sought-after divorce professionals across the globe and share powerful tips that you can take along with you no matter where you are in your journey. So we're going to do something a little different today, and I'm going to share a preview of what's to come in this episode in case you want to listen to it right now or in the future. If it hits home with the topic you need to hear in your life today, go for it. It's a short, beautiful episode. So let me know what you think and enjoy if you do decide to listen to the whole episode. So we're going to do something a little different today, and I'm going to share a preview of what's to come in this episode in case you want to listen to it right now or in the future. If it hits home with the topic you need to hear in your life today, go for it. It's a short, beautiful episode. So let me know what you think and enjoy if you do decide to listen to the whole episode. In terms of effective communication and being open enough to allow yourself to ask these questions. It's scary. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a very scary topic for so many people Mm -hmm. and it shouldn't be the taboo. Mm -hmm. It needs to be lifted because I used to be afraid to talk about this stuff, you know, when I, before I got married and this, you shouldn't be. And I truly believe if you're that scared to be open and vulnerable with someone, then you shouldn't be marrying that person. You need to feel safe and secure enough to do that. So as you can tell from that 30-second preview, we are going to talk about all things divorce, how to decide if you should even get into getting married or divorce, and that scary topic. It is not a fun topic to always talk about if you're not used to it. So Sabrina Cronin is here to discuss all things related to divorce, marriage, getting in the right contract, and all things taboo. Okay. I appreciate you being here today, Sabrina. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Olivia. This is a pleasure. Yes. So I, gosh, this might be one of the the more in-depth, long podcast sessions because there's so much to talk about with you. <laughs> you know so much. I would love to start out with my first one is, do you believe that prenuptial agreements are necessary to protect wealthy women's assets in the event of a divorce? Okay. Wow. That's starting off with a bang. Um, <laughs> you know, entering into prenuptial agreements is such a personal decision. And oftentimes, People look at it as an unhealthy discussion to have. And I like to think of it as something that, you know, if you're entering into marriage with somebody and you cannot talk about your assets, your debts, the protection of all of that, which you worked so hard to achieve prior to the marriage, then perhaps you really shouldn't be getting married to this person. You know, uh, it's so important to feel comfortable and safe and open and to share your thoughts, your apprehensions. And truly, in most states, in order to feel fully protected and not just to feel it, but to actually be protected from dissipation of assets in the event of a divorce, 
then you do need a prenuptial agreement if you do not want your assets to be exposed during the divorce. Such a good answer. And it, it brings me into the point of there's so much still stigma and shame and, oh my gosh, prenup, there's so much judgment, but I, I agree with you completely. And really it can ease the mind of women. And so my next question is really easing the mind of women who fall victim to societal pressures around these agreements. What do you do and how do you believe that we can actually change that mindset? So, you know, Olivia, again, that's a great question. The, the historically, it's typically been the man who expects and demands the prenup of his bride to be, because usually in years, you know, years ago or years past, and sometimes obviously still today, it's the man who is the one that comes to the table with, with all of the money and the assets, whether it be from family money or, you know, from working super hard his entire life and then, or he's an older person marrying a younger person. So traditionally it's been the woman who has been quote unquote, either forced or coerced or really just, she doesn't think about it and thinks, you know, go enters this marriage with starry eyes and she's so in love or she just wants the lifestyle for that time being and doesn't really care about the ramifications. Well then, you know, depending on the state and depending on how valid that prenuptial agreement is, and most states do recognize prenups, and if they're written well and there aren't any egregious, you know, or unconscionable provisions, then that will be upheld. And sometimes those unconscionable provisions are not upheld, but all the other remaining provisions are. So you have to be very careful. But like women, more and more women are the primary breadwinners. They are the ones working very hard and gaining incredible wealth prior to a marriage. And oftentimes a woman may have you know, the inheritances you know, or family money that they have to protect. And in those cases, yes, absolutely. They need to enter into a prenup and it shouldn't have that stigma attached to it as it once did, because you'd rather have it agreed upon between the two of you, then a court of law in the event of a divorce, mm -hmm. and then you're leaving it up to someone who doesn't know anything about you to decide. Now, of course, that state's laws would prevail in the event of a divorce, but it's always better to negotiate those things ahead of time. Oh, that's very good point. Because I, I think you touched on something too, I want to kind of go back to is family wealth and family money before the marriage. So a question I have is, is it wise to fully disclose all assets prior to marriage being discussed? Or is it better to wait until, you know, females are engaged if they have family money um, and other assets? Again, Olivia, that begs the question. If you don't feel comfortable, this person doesn't know your entire self, your being, then you should not be marrying this person. If you don't trust that person enough to have shared with him or her your history, your financial either well-being or not. Some people are afraid to share that they have incredible debt or that they have all of the student loans, all the student loans or credit card debt or have filed bankruptcy in the past. You know, one time I, I read that you should share each other's, uh, you know, um, printouts of all of your, um, 
your credit, your credit scores and, you know, all your credit history. And, you know, <laughs> a lot of people, I know a lot of CPAs, their firms, if they want to be partner in that firm, they have to, you know. Yeah, it makes sense. That. It's so an agreement. It's a contract. You, you want someone responsible <laughs> in all areas, then I guess you need that too. But, but all kidding aside, it's, it's very important that family money be disclosed. And if you don't disclose it, you, for a prenuptial agreement to be valid, you have to disclose all the assets that you want protected by that same contract. Mm. If you do not disclose all of your assets or debts, then it's not going to be covered or that provision will be stricken as being void or voidable. So you have to be very careful that you hire a competent attorney to handle your prenuptial agreement. And if you're on the receiving end of that prenuptial agreement, you definitely need a competent lawyer to negotiate for you. So often women will waive spousal support without even knowing what they're doing. Mm. And many mm. states will recognize a waiver of spousal support and many states won't. But if you are waiving it, you have to understand what you're getting in return. And you can have a great lawyer negotiate. I negotiated a, a prenup where they were receiving way more than they would have in divorce court. So you can have a positive spin to a prenup if you're on the receiving end. It doesn't always have to be detrimental. I completely agree with that, that you actually, before you even get married, can make things turn into a positive. Because, I mean, we, we all know the stat of the 50% of people get divorced. And then second marriages, 67. Third marriages, 74%. So I love hearing that. That's so true that you can actually have a positive spin and potentially, I mean, what I deal with is helping split the assets in divorce and post-divorce working on all of the boundaries and finances. And that's a big thing is a spousal support, which since we have you as the expert right now, let's talk about, so how can we actually be sure women are more informed about their rights to spousal support and child support in the event of a divorce? In, in, light of a prenuptial agreement or in lieu of? Let's talk about both because the positive spend with a prenup, I mean, you've already shared that you can actually benefit. Um, so let's, if you have anything else to share on that, and then also if you don't have a prenup, what have you seen? Absolutely, Olivia. So in the event that you are entering into a prenuptial agreement with your soon-to-be spouse, and in that prenuptial agreement, there are provisions, proposed provisions that say after a certain period of years, you are entitled to X amount after then, then it continues, you know, so many years, usually, you know, one to five or one to four, you know, and then, you know, five to nine, nine, whatever, you know, the, you can break it down how many it's, it's ad nauseum, right? You can break it down any which way you want. That's you can true. break it down to the <laughs> amount of children you have. You can break it down to, you know, you survived this or you did this, or if there's the event of a, you know, an affair, there's so many, I've seen it all. And if you know which state that you will most likely end up in, and you know that state's laws, look to the Divorce provisions, look to spousal support. Typically, most states' spousal support provisions, generally speaking now, and again, this is very, very general, allow for about half the length of the marriage in support. Uh, and support's calculated a number of ways. There is 
a very, you know, kind of a, a guideline statutory formula like you have with child support. Every state has a statutorily based uh, child support formula or guideline that they use. Child support is more rigid. It still can be deviated from, but there has to be good reasons why. Uh, sometimes two parties don't even need child support. And in those cases, you still need to explain or justify why you are deviating from child support. With spousal support, it's much more easily negotiable. So in the event that you are trying to negotiate a prenuptial agreement, you can look to your state's guidelines and say, hey, look, you know, if you want me to sign this prenup, mm -hmm. then I want to be guaranteed X amount after so many years of marriage. I want to be guaranteed X amount after so many children. If you go out and have an affair on one of your business trips, then I want to be guaranteed X. So there are a number of ways that you can satisfy or calm your anxiety or nerves about it and really use it to your benefit. Completely agree that uh, there's so many good things that you can actually have conversations on. And being in finance, there's such a stigma too around money in general. And prenups goes into that, divorce goes into it, all financially related conversations. But that's why I'm glad we're talking about it today because you can actually have these conversations and maybe you'll never get divorced, but at the very least you have that peace of mind. And as you're saying, ease the anxiety. And this is a completely different topic, but I want your thoughts because um, you are the expert within all of these things. And, and a lot of these terms are really intimidating and scary for women to hear. So let's talk about like what's considered separate property that is not subject to equitable, equitable distribution. And can you tell us those terms? Because it's something that we don't talk about every day on this you know, normal conversations. Well, again, it depends on the state, but in a prenup, you can define what you mean as separate property. You can define it. Even after the marriage, you can say, well, if I get a gift from my spouse, that's my separate property. I've seen prenups where you, the property, in order for it to be marital, you have to either title it in both of their names or somehow identify it as belonging to the couple. Otherwise, it would be separated. So again, that's a very individualized, personal decision-making process that the two people can do when entering into a prenuptial agreement. Those definitions are very specific. Now, when it comes to a divorce, that's a whole other animal. If you do not have a prenuptial agreement, then anything that contributed to the marriage, whether it be the incomes of parties or even sometimes an inheritance. If you have an inheritance and you, and in a divorce and you do not want the other person to get, for, for instance, his or her share of that, the, the problem is, is if you commingled that during the, the tenure of the marriage and you used it to better your lifestyle, to take trips, to you know help the children in school or you know groceries if you used it and commingled it then that's considered a part of your marital income if you negotiate against it if you have a spouse who's 
a little kinder and doesn't want to see you give that up and, you know, still really wants to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Well, then of course that you don't have to divvy it up and you can still negotiate that. But most often when spouses divorce, they're very cutthroat and it's all about the money. And so mm-hmm. you definitely have to protect yourself and make sure if you truly want that inheritance for your own in the event of a divorce and you do not have a prenup, then you have to make sure it's in another account that you do not touch the entire time of the marriage in order for it truly to be separate property. And there are so many other examples like that. You know, for instance, if you have a home and even though the spouse isn't on the deed, if you have a long-term marriage or even a short-term marriage, you still, there are states that still say that that spouse is entitled to his or her marital portion of the equity in that home. If they contributed money to the renovations or improvements, or even some of the mortgage payments or the utility bills, you know, there's a lot of that that really has to be discussed and negotiated. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I think there's so many things that we can continue that conversation on that same topic. And I, I really do think the really moral of the story is getting experts involved that know this, that can really give that handholding experience of education so that whoever it is doing a prenup is getting the best advice and going to someone like yourself. And it just makes so much more sense than, than trying to put it under the rug, not talk about it, not think about it or have negative emotions towards it, like shame or, you know, fear or not wanting to discuss. So I really, again, glad we're talking about it. And I'm sorry for interrupting. No, go ahead, please. I just, I want there to be more information. I want women to feel empowered. And the only way Mm. you feel empowered is through knowledge. And the only way you get that knowledge is by looking at something without emotion with a real clearly defined set of principles. And when you're looking at it, you have to look at, for instance, a business and two people coming together to form a partnership in a business or owning a company together. You don't blindly go into a business saying, oh, we'll just figure it out out as we go. (laughs) No, I mean, and, and so when you look at marriage in a way, and I know this takes the romance out of it, but you can still have the romance with level-headed people. You can have your romance and then you can still be pragmatic about certain things that really define the security in your relationship. When I talk about security, the financial security, yes, you can have the emotional security, but so often I see in divorce, if you don't have one, you don't have the other. Without financial security, Mm. so many people do not feel that emotional stability and vice versa, mm. without the emotional stability, then men oftentimes don't feel financially stable and women too. So mm-hmm. you, know, you need to go in with open eyes and open mind and say, look, you know, I do not want a divorce. I do not plan on divorce, but why don't we define our expectations ahead of time? And I find that more often than not, when you define your expectations and you have a clearly and a you know, clear conversation, open, and you're both sitting there without high emotion and no judgment, and you're really being open and honest, then you move your relationship to that next level. And then you can both maturely decide, okay, this is what we need to do. This is what I want. This is what I need. 
and move from there. You're, you can't expect your spouse to be a mind reader if you don't say to him or her, you know, I know you want a prenup and, and I wasn't so into it. I, I was thinking you were thinking the worst of our marriage, but I'm coming on board with it. But this is what I need in order for me to sign this prenup. These are the terms I need in it. And, mm -hmm. and negotiate from there. I mean, marriage, the whole time you're married, it's a huge compromise. So mm -hmm. why don't you start off on the right foot and learn how to compromise when it really counts? And it brings you closer. You touched on it. It completely defines the relationship in a positive way. And you get to that financial and emotional closeness because you're having clarity. So that's a very good point. Much more um, intimate, for sure. It is sure. intimate. That's a great word to use there. Uh, during that wonderful honeymoon stage, you can actually, it just, it, it brings you to an even better and closer stage. And on another point, I, I know you know a lot about this, so I'm going to ask it to you. Of if a woman is considering entering a business venture with their former, current, or soon-to-be spouse, what advice would you give them? Get it all in writing. Everything. Oof, that's good. Everything. <laughs> if you're entering oh. into business with a former, current, or future spouse, it you know, people often talk about trust. Mm. And, you know, trust is sort of a subjective word. Yes. It depends on the levels. But, you know, there are certain times you can trust someone and certain times you can't. And you just never know, but always, always get it in writing. Oh, that's so good. I love that because that's just, I mean, there's so many mistakes I've seen that I wasn't in that woman's relationship. She was not my client at the time, so I could not have protected or helped her, educated her at that point in time. But that's one of those that if someone's listening and, and they heard you say that, I just, I hope that protects them from making that decision without having something in writing. So that's really, really helpful and not taking yeah. that advice for granted. But it needs to be a valid written yes, agreement, yes. right? <laughs> you know, some people just write it on a piece of paper no, or whatever. No. You know, it has to be validly or done. Or an email. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, sometimes those, those extrinsic, you know, pieces of evidence can be used. Sometimes not, but, you know, make sure it's, a, again, expectations in writing clearly defined. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that, you know, I have one other question and it is coming at a different angle for a different topic. But again, I really want to have everyone listening hear all the knowledge you have and go with it. So you're going to go with it with me. So okay. <laughs> how can women protect themselves if a significant amount of their assets come from alimony awards from a previous divorce? This is a question that comes up all the time. And I really am excited to hear your answer. If you mean in the event they get remarried to someone yes. new? Because that happens so often. And we just don't talk about that. If you get divorced, there's a huge chance you're going to still believe in love, right? Like you're still going to want to get married someday. So how okay. can you in the event of a divorce? I thought you yes. meant I thought you meant from one, if someone's living off of the proceeds from a prenup from a first divorce. So let's just say they do get divorced and they have a prenuptial agreement and they're receiving payments yes. or they're receiving monies from that first exact from a previous and yeah. there is a prenup usually not always but usually a prenuptial agreement says that 
these payments will continue until death or remarriage. Some even say until death, remarriage, or cohabitating with you know a lover or a new love interest or whatever, or cohabitating with anyone. So it really just depends on the provisions of that prenuptial agreement. If they don't have those provisions in place or they don't have a prenuptial agreement and are receiving some sort of spousal support from the divorce itself, from that first divorce, then that woman or man, but you asked relative to a woman, if that woman is receiving these, you know, monthly or semi-monthly or annual payments, she can protect them if she enters into another prenup in her second marriage or third or whatever. So Mm -hmm. absolutely they, they can protect it. She can negotiate with her soon to be spouse and say, Hey, I'm not going to want this money to be exposed or commingled. Yeah. Okay. So she can just put it in the bank. If her, if her husband or new, you know, husband to be doesn't care again, it's all negotiable. It just depends on how strong of a voice or advocate you have on your behalf to help defend what you truly want. But Mm -hmm. you have to make sure you're being mindful of everything you want. You have to find clarity. You have to kind of sit with yourself and say, okay, I don't want this asset of mine to be compromised or jeopardized in the event of a divorce to this person. So then you have to make sure it's clearly defined. Mm. That's so, I think that's a good place to leave it because there's so many things that we went over today and I want to ask, is there anything else you'd like to share? And also where can people find you? Well, Olivia, thank you. It's been so fun and such a pleasure to be with you today. They can find me at cronenlawfirm.com. They can find me online through social media at Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter at Sabrina Shaheen Cronin or the Cronin Law Firm. Um, We have workshops. We have webinars. They can call the firm. We can help with anything that they have any concern over. I'm licensed in Michigan, New York, and Illinois, and I have other attorneys at my firm who are licensed in other states as well. And uh, we can also act as a consultant in the event, you know, you just want someone in your corner to help go through certain things. So um, I would be very honored and pleased to help anyone that wants to uh, ask for it. I really care about people and their financial well-being and their happiness really go hand in hand. But uh, I just want everyone to know that they can get anything that they want. They just have to ask for it. And education is so important. And really, that's a key to their first steps of being more empowered. So thanks, Olivia. Thank you. Thank you for joining another episode with me, your host, Olivia Summerhill. Until the next episode, visit www.summerhillfirm.com for a discreet way to find helpful resources that can help bring you clarity to your divorce journey.